Welcome back, dear listeners, to the Dish with Dina podcast. I am so happy to have you join us. My guest today is Christina Leonardi, who I met probably over a decade ago. I have been such an avid fan and follower of hers ever since. Christina is a personal growth expert, a dynamic, inspiring, and down-to-earth speaker with a unique yet practical perspective on the topics of career development, work, life, wellness, and personal growth. She has presented to organizations such as LinkedIn, the American Women's Business Association, and New York's Science, Industry, and Business Library. Christina has probably helped thousands of people make the most of their personal and professional lives over the past 20 years. In our discussion today, we dish about everything from emotional eating to being present to practicing gratitude. So I'm sure that you too, dear listener, will come away with many takeaways after listening to this conversation. Without further ado, sit back, enjoy the conversation, and let's dish. Welcome, Christina Leonardi to the Dish with Dina podcast. Thank you so much for spending time with me here. I am so excited to be here. This is great. I too am excited. And I want to start first by walking down memory lane with you because you and I have been related in some way in the virtual space, but I shared with you recently that I also met you once in person, but I don't know if you remember my story of how we met and how we know each other. You know, I, did you come to the library? I did. Ah, okay. (laughs) I don't remember. You win win the trivia prize. Christina, (laughs) can you share with our listeners what the library is? Like, I didn't just walk in on you while you were studying. Right, right. So um, the science and business that, well, no, it's called, I think the science industry and business library, uh, which is part of the New York Public Library System on 32nd and Madison, which is no longer there. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I gave regular talks there for about 10 years. I cannot remember where it was that I first found you, like why I knew you had an event, but, uh, or maybe it was something that I found through the library's listings. And I went and I just found you so motivating. I can't remember exactly what the time of my life is there, but I'm sure I was going through some sort of career reinvention of some sort and trying to find my way. And I just remember uh, just, I don't know, guiding questions that you had, the way you engage the audience. And so watching you throughout these many years as well and still keeping in connection and still seeing the effort and the amount of resources and the things that you provide to people. Like, I can't wait to dive into that. But before we do, Christina, (laughs) I'm going to go even further, not too much further down memory lane, but I won't be in that memory. I want to find out a little from you, as I do with all of my podcast interviewees, where you grew up, what some of your earliest food memories were. Like, tell us a little bit about your background and how your relationship with food maybe came about. Sure. Um, so I am from Long Island. Um, so Syosset, Long Island. And for those of you who are not in New York, that's about 40, 40 minutes or so outside of New York City. And uh, I grew up, it's funny, I grew up, well, you know, my last name is Leonardi, so that's Italian. <laughs> um, <laughs> my mom's side of the family is actually from South America, from Uruguay and Paraguay. And we have relatives in Argentina. So there's a little bit of uh, Latin flavor in there. Um, But I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood. 
So it's, it's a very interesting mix of influences, but I would say predominantly sort of Italian vibe, certainly with food. Um, and my mom was a great cook and she, you know, she, she took care of us really well on the food, uh, department, but I would say, you know, and also growing up, you know, there was always plenty of food, like any kind of holiday gathering or like, you know, my mom used to entertain. So she was always, you know, making fancy recipes and stuff as well. When she had company, we used to call it right. But as far as my particular food memory, two things that come to, well, actually three things that come to mind. One is making scrambled eggs as like, like breakfast on Mother's Day. Like me and my brothers would like make scrambled eggs and toast for my mom and give her breakfast in bed on Mother's Day, which was always very sweet. Um, then another memory is because, you know, my mom, you know, we all have our issues with our parents. And I just remember, you know, there, were, there weren't a lot of things to connect with my mom on. But one summer, I remember avocados were like a new vegetable. Well, I guess is it a fruit because it has a pit in it. But um, we, no one else in my family, except for me and my mom, liked an avocado. And that was such this moment of connection and bonding with her that I was so lacking and really treasured every time I had an avocado. So that's one memory. Um, another memory is also my dad wasn't really around a lot. He would work late. We didn't really have dinner with him. And so um, I do remember this one when those of you out there may or may not remember the Betty Crocker Easy Bake Oven. And I, I would do. <laughs> I, I am one of those people who remembers it, Christina. Yeah. And so a special connection with my dad was, you know, he would come home late and I would bake him. He would have dinner by himself, but I would have baked him an easy bake oven cake for dessert. And I would sit there and like watch him eat it. And that was like a lot of pleasure and connection for me with him. All right, Christine, I have to interrupt one sec just to ask you, sure. for those people who are listening who do not know what an easy bake oven, could you explain <laughs> the very high tech equipment and the process of how to, how to bake a meal? It was some contraption with a light bulb and you put some cake, cake batter in and it bakes like this little cake. It 100% was. You got like a powder packet that you added water to or whatever. And then mm -hmm. you literally baked with a, a light bulb. I mean, it got to a high enough temperature that you were like, look, I've made something. But I remembered that. I remember yeah. using an easy bake oven and that was, you know, a step above just having like your little toy kitchen as a child like that. You were a chef. Yeah. Oh God. You felt super like, look at me, man, I'm cooking. And I uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, did your dad enjoy yeah. the easy bake oven cake or was he kind enough to say thank you? For well, you know, it was, I think it was like Betty Crocker cake. Man. Like True. I think the cake was decent. You know what I mean? True. <laughs> oh so, I, I wanted yeah. to jump in for a sec because a few things as you were talking just now as I tend to do I take a lot of notes when I'm doing my interviews I love mm -hmm. the breakfast in bed thing I often mm -hmm. miss things like that I you know we didn't like, yeah. we had it around in our feety pajamas and we brought things to our parents and um and I don't remember the last time I personally ever had anything in bed unless I was sick and somebody gave me soup like that was right of it. <laughs> but to have that cute enjoyment factor of like celebration I also wanted to to commend you on recognizing botanically that an avocado is in fact a fruit of the pit. <laughs> oh yes. Not a lot of people know that. It's treated like 
it's fruit, but you're, I mean, it's treated like a, a vegetable, but it is in fact right. a fruit. Same with the tomato kids. That's how you can tell yes. if something has a pit in it. And uh, the South American connection. So my parents were both mm-hmm. born and raised for a short amount of time in Italy. But my dad, because there were no visas at the time for North America, ended up in Venezuela. So we have some Spanish flair in what we do. And my mom, interestingly enough, was, she moved to the United States as a young age, but when she went through her schooling, she became a Spanish teacher in high school. So there's, again, we have some influence. Wow. Yeah, as you were reminding me, I'm like, there were some things that we ate as well. And we integrated into our, you know, normally traditional Italian food, but we had some, some flavor from the some, um, South America. Yeah. yeah. So the only thing that I remember growing up that was like specifically like Latin, it was my grandmother made amazing empanadas. Like the empanadas were so good that she made and arroz con pollo. Mm. She made a really good arroz con pollo and my mom too. But guess what my, my uh, talking about what, what we have in common, guess what my first job out of college was? I'm, I'm not sure. What was it? I was a Spanish teacher. Oh, no way. <laughs> yes. So yes, you so are a fluent Spanish teacher or? I mean, I can, I'm conversant. I, I'm okay. conversant. I'm conversant. I'm not fluent at all, but I, I, you know, I can, I can hold my own. You spoke I can hold English my own. In, the, in the family. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally English. Yeah. Totally English at home. My father, actually, my father's father was from Italy but he, his father insisted he was of the generation, like you speak only English, like didn't want to speak any Italian. Yes. My, my mother's father was from Paraguay. They spoke, her, her grandmother lived with them and they, she spoke Spanish growing up as a little girl, but, she, but her, her grandmother died when she was 12, I think. So she didn't really speak it in the, after 12 growing up, but it's in my blood. And then I studied, I was really good at languages in school. So I studied Spanish in high school and then in college was my minor and I did a study abroad I lived in Sevilla Spain mm. and then I have the relatives in Argentina so I you know with them and then I became a Spanish teacher so that's kind of in my blood for sure yeah this is exciting <laughs> to hear and know and I I feel like I have some connection to that too my mom and dad uh as I said they they lived you know grew up or were born and raised in Italy up till a certain amount of time my mom came over when she was about nine or ten my dad ventured over and ended up in Venezuela when he was about 16. So then wow. they did the Spanish thing. But you would think, you would think, Christina, that they would implement language in our conversations at home. But no, you're right. They're from a generation that were like, oh, well, we're in America now, so we should speak mm-hmm. English. So my brother and I could quite literally have been trilingual and instead all we got was right. Right. I'm right. A little exactly. Upset about that. <laughs> I'm a I know. Upset about that. But it was very much like, I mean, we don't, who knows what it was like, you know, to, to be an immigrant at that time. Exactly. It was just like they, they didn't want their kids to be astros. And just as an aside, P.S., I love Venezuela. I, I was there like when I was 18 and I Aww. was there, spent three weeks there. So. Well, you shared with me, you shared with me during our pre-conversation about your wanting to travel and how that might've tied into some food things Mm -hmm. as well back in the day. Do you remember, do you want to share a conversation? Yes. Yeah. So one, uh, another memory that I have growing up about around food is I just remember going, I was always like the weird one in my family or the black sheep or whatever you want to call that. And was interested in things that my family wasn't necessarily interested in, including some food things. And I remember going to this Italian, this big Italian restaurant once, and I made a very conscious decision to order calamari. 
and this is something that my family did not eat. It was not normal. And they were grossed out and they thought it was weird. And they're like, why are you getting calamari? Like, ew, and all that. And I was like very, very particular about that choice because I thought I need to learn how to try different foods because when I travel or if I'm traveling and people serve me something, I want to be able to eat it and be comfortable eating it and not insult them. That is incredibly mature. (laughs) It was like 12. But you were 12. And so, you know, this is something that when I, uh, I'm teaching a variety of different nutrition courses to undergraduate students, as I've said before in this podcast, and one of them is about global foods and another is about life cycle stages of nutrition. And one of the things we talk about a lot is opening up, exposing children to a variety of different foodways and cultures and restaurants and getting them hands-on with cooking and so I think, you know, so you've, you've checked off the list of the easy bake oven. So you got down the culinary <laughs> experience and then as the tender age of 12, like to have that understanding of knowing what you plan to do with your future, that it might involve travel and that you wanted to open up yourself to different experiences. Like that is really mature. I have to say. It is when I think back on it, like it was of course like norm, kind of normal to me at the time. Like it was very like a normal, rational thing that I should do. Like mm. I didn't think twice about it, but yeah, thinking back and who knows, I might've even been younger than 12, but probably between 20, 10 and 12 is what I would say. But I saw myself, I guess, in situations where I didn't want to insult mm-hmm. the people if I was mm-hmm. a guest. And so, and then, yeah, so fast forward, after I was a Spanish teacher, um, I ended up working in, in travel and tourism and got to go to many places. Now I went as more in, it was sort of a high, high end luxury travel. So I didn't have to like really deal with, you know, local people serving me food necessarily, but (laughs) you know, it definitely was a very big part of travel was a very big part of my life. I'm sort of, and I'm not even that adventurous of an eater. Like it just, I didn't, you know, but, but, I, but to give you, but to give yeah. you an example, even like maybe, I don't know. Well, let's see. My mom's been gone since 2015. So even like probably in the early two thousands or late nineties, if I said I was having like Indian food or Thai food, they'd be like my mom, not necessarily my brothers. They'd be like, she'd be like, ew, what is that? You know? <laughs> So not, anyway. not necessarily culturally humble enough to yeah. open up with the accepting of different flavors and foods. But that's, yeah. Like I said, that was really interesting to learn about at, an, at the age to have the, not just the maturity, but just to recognize that you wanted an experience. And so I, I don't believe in coincidences. I say this all the time. And I feel like mm-hmm. maybe somewhere, someplace that you developed like this fearlessness, right. And that you were able to go off and do other things. And to feel like if I could try calamari when my family was like disgusted with me at 12, I could do <laughs> anything across this world. So I really applaud that 12 year old you for maybe having the foresight. Yeah, I do too. I'm proud of her too. It's very interesting. And I actually haven't really thought about that memory in a long time until we had this conversation. And so it is, it definitely says something about like, and it just shows you also, and this actually ties into kind of what I do for a living, which is help people figure out who they are and what they're supposed to be doing with their Mm -hmm. life. At least that's part of what I do for a living. And um, there's an essence, like you're born with a certain knowingness a certain sense of who you are and what you're meant to experience even though you might not know the form and you have your own 
unique combination of talent, skills, abilities, interests, passions. And there's a reason why you have that combination. And there's a reason why you're here and that you want to experience certain things or that you're meant to experience certain things. And there's a knowingness that, you know, that people lose very easily um, from every outside influence, whether it's your family or peers or the culture itself or TV or there's a gazillion outside influences telling you who you are and what you should be and what you should do and how you should live. But we're all, we're all, you know, born with that innate knowingness. And I think part of my work is getting people back to knowing who they are, you know, what they're supposed to be doing. And, and that does tie into food also in another way in that, you know, food can be uh, this external distraction from getting in touch with who you are, or it could be the celebration of getting of who you are. It could be pleasure. It could, it could be used in many, many different ways. So I don't know that I'll just leave you with that thought yeah, for the moment. <laughs> un unlocking some of the things that we have to wait for and go through to unlock. And so what you said about these words that I'm writing down with the innate ability, we, same thing with food, as far as calories, like caloric intake as a child, we are born with an innate ability to know what we need and what we mm -hmm. have to do to nourish ourselves. And, you know, we spit up when we're done eating and we cry when we're hungry. And it's only when we start hitting those external factors, even as early as age of three, where people will say things like you're eating too much or stop doing this, or you're too skinny, that we just start having to take that in mm -hmm. and it really messes our relationship with food. And that's something that, you know, decades down the line, you're still dealing with the first mm -hmm. three years of your life is cool. And then from that point forward, <laughs> it's a crapshoot. So yes. you know, now that I found out a little bit about your childhood and some of the habits that you had, the relationships that you had with food, family dynamics, et cetera, walk us through now, like you're, you know, you're becoming an adult and you're more independent. What were some of the things that you were doing for yourself? The, the things that you were more drawn to? I mean, we're in New York, so we have the ability mm -hmm. to have quite a diverse amount of foods at already, but then you also were doing travel. So you were able to, you know, venture and check out the rest of the world. Do you cook for yourself? Like, is that something you decided to do as well when you started becoming more independent? Yeah. I mean, look, as a young adult in New York city, you have, you know, you don't have a lot of money, right? Um, I was fortunate to work for a really great company, but you're living, I, I was living in New York city and I didn't realize that the food that I eat impacted my health. And so I would basically, I kind of trashed my body in a way because all I would eat, it had to be simple and cheap. And so I literally lived on pasta. So like, you know, just pasta and a jar of tomato sauce, bagels, and like a spinach salad. Like I, pre even though I liked a lot of things. And so if I went out to dinner or whatever, you know, right. I would eat, I would eat many different things, but in terms of like making, it was like, I remember actually, this is so sad. <laughs> I remember going to the grocery store and this is, this is like in the early nineties, I guess, or mid nineties and, um, not buying anything that cost over a dollar or like $2. Like it, I wouldn't spend money on food that was like more than $2 or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which so is pasta was always cheap. Now, you know, it's, the prices are a little different today. So, yeah. 
but you know it was usually like yeah I think it was usually it's maybe I'd get like some frozen peas and carrots and mix that with the tomato sauce and like doctor it up with some oregano or whatever and and then and I, I love pasta I mean who doesn't love pasta but yeah it was just it was I didn't really have a kitchen where I was living. Right. So maybe, maybe that was it too. Um, those, those first couple of years, but yeah, but I ruined my body. And so, and so that leads to the kale stories. And, and so anyway, so that's what I was eating, not thinking that there was anything wrong with it at all, by the way. Oh, and then, you know, I'd also eat like for breakfast, I'd eat, you know, on the, on the, New York City, the what do you call it? Like a cinnamon roll or like a twisty donut or right. something like that from the donut man with the coffee cart. Like that was my breakfast or a bagel. Then I'd eat pasta and maybe a spinach. Like, where was I getting any nutrition from? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it was the worst. Thinking back on it, I'm a, I'm appalled. I'm appalled because I'm completely not like that anymore. Right. Like where was the nourishment? <laughs> Listen, where we can was, break yeah. apart the chemical <laughs> constructs of certain foods and find nutrition is probably found somewhere in something, but you're right. There were probably more yeah. unhealthier things than healthier things. And were you really supporting all like your, you know, nutrient and vitamin needs? Probably not. Probably not, you know? And so I completely trashed my gut biome probably because I would get these like bronchitis. Like I would just get all these bronchitis infections, like coughing up my brains and then thinking that I needed antibiotics for them so that I would take antibiotics. And it was this terrible cycle of like, because the doctor that I was using was clearly an idiot and, or just trained the, the way, you know, so and I, I had no idea, okay. you know, <laughs> so so I'm like, but you know, you're, you're 20. So your body just bounces back, you know, and, but it took a toll because then it's, then at one point, you know, I was definitely having some digest digestive issues and, um, my dad passed in 97 and it was like, not long after that, that I was like, I had this pain in my side and, you know, I went to all the normal doctors and, you know, one guy, I went to a gastro guy and he's like, oh, just take Xanax because, you know, your dad died in Europe. So I'm like, like, I have a pain in the side of my, right. you know, um, and anyway, to make a long story short, I finally found this, this nutritional biochemist who basically looks at your blood work, but not like blood work. If you would go to like a regular CBC hospital blood work, he, I mean, you would give that to him, but he was able to read the ranges and the chemistry of it in a very different way. And so he basically, I had like an, an intake and he doesn't even really examine you. I think they measured, he was measuring like body fat and water thing, but he didn't, you didn't even need to do that. You could just fax him the blood work basically. And he talked to you on the phone. And he would tell me stuff about my personality, about what I ate, what I did, all just looking at my blood work. But the first thing he says to me, he goes, he goes, oh, you're dehydrated. He goes, just drink extra water. Do you know, Dina, that's all I did. My freaking pain went away. Right, right. Sometimes people, it's the simplest, it's the yeah. simplest treatment, the simplest intervention, not going through. And also that could stress you out too, trying to find out like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with yeah. me? Only to find out you're not drinking enough or you're yeah. you know, drinking a ton of coffee and that's not really hydrating you in the way that it should or yeah. whatever. Oh my gosh. And yes. so, so that was the main, that, that was the alleviation of like, oh my God. And that's just, you know, don't even get me started on like the, like 
allopathic medicine, which by the way, I respect, thank God you're a nutritionist because regular <laughs> doctors are not trained in it at all. I so, said this time and time again, Christina, <laughs> allow the specialists to do things, right? Like yes. I don't want to, I've, I worked in at an, a high-risk OBGYN office and I was always saying, I promise not to deliver your babies if you promise to stop <laughs> right. talking to my patients about food because uh, yeah. I'm not trained in that. And dietitians, I mean, I should say doctors, non, non, you know, more generalists um, will only take maybe, you know, a, a class or something in nutrition. And nowadays I'm happy if they take more than that, but I still want you to refer your people to us because we are specializing in that and we can, exactly. and, and I might not even specialize in everything. If you have kidney issues, gastrointestinal problems, like I might even refer you out to a further specialist with that. So, you know, take advantage of your healthcare providers, my friends, and know the value that exists in there because you don't want to screw somebody up who only needed a drink of water by pumping them full of Xanax mm. when they didn't need e it. Exactly. Again, no offense to pharmaceuticals, fine with all these things, but, you know, try to be careful with what we're intervening with. And also understand who you're dealing with and how they were trained, mm. you know, like it's, it's also, part, it's all systemic thing of like how their people are trained, you know? Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> right. We so, can go off on yeah, I could, I could, we could do, <laughs> we could do a whole podcast on that. Okay. Focus. Um, <laughs> Cause that gets me really riled up. Um, yes. Yeah, so yeah. So my, my, the pain went away. And so then basically he, he, quote unquote prescribes right. a diet, you know, so a diet and um, supplements that to basically get your, he, he just treats you nutritionally based on your blood work. Mm -hmm. And he can tell a whole bunch of things by that. So he, and then he also diagnosed for me that I have a histamine intolerance, which was causing like some of the bloating and all this kind of uh, other stuff. And now you have to remember this was in like 1998. So this right. was before gluten, no gluten. This right. is like, people thought it was, there was nothing for me to eat. Like this was like a whole other world that I then had to like exist without bread Navigate, and pasta right. and all that kind of stuff. And, but, but it's not really gluten, it's histamine, which is a little different than the gluten thing, but they generally cover the same items, but, but like histamine is in certain fruits like pineapple and um uh corn and strawberries like i don't eat those things generally okay and guess what guess what vegetable it's in spinach which is what i was eating for like that was the only vegetable i was eating for years was the one that i shouldn't eat because it had his it was like loaded with histamine and, and wheat uh, is also histamine and dairy. Yeah. So as soon as I cut these things out, I was like, oh my God, like I didn't even know I had a body. Like all of a sudden I was feeling, I had more energy. It was just, it was transformative. Yeah. And to me, I totally also, I mean, I related to ignorance, first of all, and, but it's also self-care. It was like, I wouldn't spend money to take care of myself, like to eat nutritious food, you know? I mean, again, ignorance was part of it, but once I started transforming my physical body, I was able to access my feelings more and just my sense is more my sense, my sense of knowing things. And so, so now the kale comes in 
because that wasn't even now again you have to remember and people who are younger may not might not get this but like no one had ever heard of kale 20 years ago like like, you know i don't you know all this so this was before kale became like the cool vegetable which it's not even the cool vegetable anymore it's like you know it's had its heyday but you know, there would be times where my body, I was able to actually feel my body telling me it needed kale. So it was like a different way of connecting with your body where you're really listening to it and you're allowed, your body is phenomenally, it's a miraculous machine for lack of a better word that knows exactly what it needs and what it doesn't need. And it's up to us to tune into it and to listen and to know First of all, to value your body as the this miraculous thing that it is, and that took me years to, to get to, but and then to be able to to listen and and I and I've actually at the library I've told this sometimes at some of my talks and I forget in what context, but I'll be like, yeah, I would crave kale. Like who craves kale? But it was like my body was telling me it needed whatever, you know, vitamin. K or whatever you could tell me what's yeah in yeah exactly, that's exactly it yeah, that yeah. <laughs> um so like again it was this new experience of being connected to myself and it's part of being connected to yourself your body is part of yourself and there's a there's a whole journey with that too and you know um but I think so I think that you know the self-worth and the self-care just taking care just, you know, giving yourself the proper nutrition, that's part of self-love and self-care. You have a body, you know, that this body is carrying your soul and Mm -hmm. this is, this is what you got. So you better take care of it or, or not you better take care of it, but (laughs) when you take care of it, you will feel better on, on many different levels and you will be able to access your intuition your feelings which are two different things by the way and um going back to that knowingness that innate knowingness about who you are what you need and you know standing up for for that and and having the strength to to carry out whatever those things are yeah I wanted to touch upon a couple of things that you were saying there as you as you were talking mm-hmm. things were coming up for me because uh, this is this is something that comes up sometimes too in some of the other previous episodes where we talk about you know obviously there's not a one size fits all approach to anybody and I don't believe that a lot of humans but I think Americans in particular maybe because of the way that we are uh, how we prioritize work over health or convenience over the long term or the patience that we have or like you know live for the now and don't worry so much about longevity and the responsibility or lack of responsibility that we take in when something like that happens. So we're struggling through, you know, amounts of stress, or we're noticing different pains in our body that we're not even aware are manifesting mm-hmm. other things that are deeper. And I know that I, I mean, I had a pulled muscle in my back and yes, that is a physical situation, but I know when I get stressed out or I immediately get quote unquote tense about something, I, my back just seizes up on me. And I'm like, I didn't even do anything to, you know, to force that to happen, but my body knows your body understands that. And so 
just as a side note, I always want to also acknowledge, I recognize, you know, we come from a place right now of our discussion of being somewhat privileged and having access to things that we are mm. able to choose for ourselves. However, I do believe that if you are able to, or if you can hear this and you have issues with resources, budgets, access to certain things, especially in New York City, there are a lot of programs that could help you with putting you in touch with what you need, whether it's healthcare, medical stuff, specialists, you know, those who don't have insurance or access to health foods or um, as I do often with my clients and some of the uh, webinars that I put together we talk about you know healthy eating on a budget how to cook with mm. like you said things that just cost like 99 cents we can help cobble things together that are still nutritious or we can help you making decisions in the uh, you know, quote unquote, better quality of foods that might seem more convenient because that's all you can afford right now. So I do want to acknowledge that. Like, I get it. I understand that everybody has their pain points with stuff, but being, you know, can you tie this in though, in what you're talking about of that, knowing that there's something to be unlocked within us all, like to, to being present, like that's something that constantly escapes me. You and I had this conversation earlier too. go, go, go work, work, work. I'm juggling mm -hmm. a million things. I don't have children, but then I can't even imagine if I did how that would even factor <laughs> in. Um, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, everybody's got their own ways of being busy or whatever it is that they're doing. Mm -hmm. So I never say I'm, you know, more X than someone else. Like everybody's got their own schedule, situation, mm -hmm. finances, et cetera. But focusing on that presence. So in your case, there was that physical, you know, mind, body, connection that you eventually were like, oh my gosh, aha, I just had this connection to it. How did that affect you? And how do you also help now your clients with taking that uh, perception of, I, I don't know, like be mindless and being more mm -hmm. present instead? <laughs>funny because thinking about this I never really connected this dot in particular but that really was the way for me to get more in touch with um, myself which meant I had more ability and sensitivity to connect with others and kind of see where they might be blocked um, and I think that the when you're talking about I'm kind of the opposite of type A. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not the person that's like doing 5 million things. Like I get like hives if I have three things on my schedule in a day, oh, like that's man. a lot okay. for me. That's, so that's I'm the opposite <laughs> of most people, Yeah. Um, which I think is also why it's good that I, I, and most of my clients, because also, you know, let's just face it, that's our society is again, because that kind of activity is genuine. Gen generally rewarded, I would say, you know, I think it's getting a little better now, but workaholism is a thing, but it's like an accepted thing, right? You're a hard worker, you're getting, you're productive, you're productive, you're productive. Right. And, um, you know, to me, sitting in the sun is productive. You know, I have a very different idea of what productive is. Now, my life reflects that in a certain way, material way, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but it's a choice you know, about how I want to use my time and energy anyway, but going back to people, you know, who are busy and slowing down. Um, well, two, a couple of things. One is that, you know, sometimes people use busyness as a distraction to keep them away from themselves and to keep them away from being with themselves, because guess what, if you stop and slow down and yep. be with yourself, 
oh, some stuff might come up. You might feel some things. You might actually like assess your life and maybe be like, oh, I don't like this, but then that means I have to do something about it and that's terrifying. So a lot of people use busyness and distraction to avoid themselves. Um, so I'm always trying to get people to, you know, just take some time, you know, and one thing that I always, in every talk that I ever do, every client that I ever talk to, and so I will also share it here, is that if you can't do anything else, take 15 minutes. And if you can't do 15, do 10. If you can't do 10, do five. The beginning of the day, before you do anything else, maybe go to the bathroom, whatever, sit down with yourself, breathe. If you have a prayer, a mantra, or inspirational reading, or even if you just have a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, and just breathe and just drink it mindfully, right? And just settle into yourself and settle into your own energy so that you are in charge of your energy and you're present in your own body and you're centered in who you are before you go out into the world and let people take that energy from you or you just give it away because you don't want to deal with whatever is going on inside of you. So if you take that 15 minutes in the morning before you start your day and then if you can do it it's even better if you can do twice a day and then when you do what you would do is when you transition from your day to your evening i personally like to lay flat on my back on the floor um, and i do a lot of stuff dina that i just do it because it feels good and then i always find out later it's like a thing and there's science or it's an ancient thing i don't know i just do it because i listen to my body i right. listen to what my body needs and so i would just lay flat on the floor and then i found out later it resets your nervous system and you just let the day kind of like drain off of you. And that's more of a processing time and then a reconnection in with yourself. And so if you just have that practice, those two anchors every day, that's one way to make you more present with yourself and with your energy and seeing what you're thinking and feeling. And then you can build off of that. So I like to just offer that to everyone as something very, very practical that they can do. I feel um, like... I feel like yeah. that's very doable too. Cause you'll, you know, sometimes people will say how to be productive or how to fit things in, you know, wake up four hours earlier, but 15 mm -mm. minutes is not that nope. much to ask for yourself when it comes to your own mind body connection and the ability to support your health. So the 15 minutes, you know, that you can set a little bit earlier in the alarm clock or mm -hmm. for me, I know when I go to sleep, I have an alarm that goes off at a certain time. That's like, okay, time to start winding down. Like no matter what, you still have mm. to wait. You can't do it anymore. You just got to go. And that forces me then to, you know, physically change into like my pajamas or wash my face. And that's the point where the cue, the cue where I'm like, okay, now this is my time. And I have to just empty out my brain because a lot's been going on. And I love that resetting the nervous system. Like you're just allowing your body to kind of empty out in that way mm -hmm. and that all those energy fields are kind of like firing off and just getting a chance to relax a little bit. Um, that really resonated with me, Christina, and I hope it resonates yeah. too with some of the, the listeners as well. And if you can't do 15 minutes, like 10 minutes is fine, even five minutes, it's really more about the act of shifting your attention inward to yourself. And so even that small act, even if it's only for five minutes, mm -hmm. that's all you can bear. It's still signaling 
to the universe, yourself, to your higher self, whatever, that, that you love yourself, that you're here, that yeah. you, you know, that you're here for you first. Yeah. That's so, that, that's making me emotional because as of right this minute, I will share with everybody at the time of this recording that I have been on like high vibration, not slowing down. Christina, the last time you and I spoke, I feel like that was probably the situation there too. But I promise you in between there was some lull and I missed that lull. And I'm, that's really speaking to me right now. I wanted to ask you also, cause you shared a little with me too, with some of the stuff that you work with your clients. And also mm -hmm. we'll talk a little bit about how people can work with you, where they can find you, you know, how, what kind of uh, services you offer, but you mentioned bringing food into that too, doing a little, like a little mm -hmm. homework assignment with people. Can you share a little bit about what that means? Because we've talked about, you know, when you're on this vibration, when you're losing sleep, when you're stressed out, all of those behaviors then are factored in and you're not making the necessary choices you need to, to nourish yourself. And yes, of course, I've always been an all foods fit type of person. I don't deny people restrictions of foods, et cetera, but I want to make sure you're getting what you need to nourish your body. So can you share a little bit about that exercise or, or how you tie that into that mindfulness, that presence? Totally, totally. Yeah, I think that, so even if people don't wanna do the 15 minutes like we just talked about, you have to eat, okay? So you can take, a lot of people that I talk to, if I ask them if they cook, oh, I hate cooking, or I order out, or, you know, it's a chore. And especially also if you're, if you have kids, right? Um, but if you shift your perception about what quote unquote cooking is, and instead of thinking of it, if you're the type of person that thinks of it as a chore, use that time as you're connecting with yourself and your quote unquote meditation. I don't really like to use the word meditation time. We can use mindfulness. It's just getting, being present in your body. So let's say you're making, I, I, and it does, you don't have to make anything special. It could be a salad. So you're literally chopping right. Right. the vegetables, just, just chop the vegetables. Like that's it. Just be present, chopping the vegetables, look at the colors, put the salad together, whatever is like, it could be the simplest things, but when you, it's the sort of conscious intention or the act of doing it, when you shift your perception as to this is a chore versus this is my self-care mindfulness moment then you have no excuse you, you, because you have to do that anyway, right? If there's time in the day that you right. say that you don't have. Right. So just be present and use that. And, and it's a way to demonstrate self-nurturing because you're creating that food for yourself. And obviously you can make all the right choices. Talk to Dina about what the right choices are for you. <laughs> My personal plug. <laughs> yes. You know, but, but, but using that time as self-care, self-nurturing time, like relabel it as that. And, and, yeah. and it's also creative. So then a lot of people, if they're very, very type A or a certain kind of personality, they will only cook with a recipe. And I'm like, no, you don't need a recipe just, or if you've cooked with a recipe forever, that means you have some basic skills or an understanding hopefully built in from all the things that you've made. Try it without a recipe because then you have to tune into yourself and, and figure out what works and what doesn't work and what you like and what you don't like. And there's an, there's an act of creativity in that and an act of trusting and trial and error. And that, so you see how these things are all tied in creativity, 
self-care, self-nurturing, mindfulness. You can use food as that kind of practice for yourself. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie. Well, probably not because, again, this is a long time ago. There's a movie like Water for Chocolate. Do you know that movie? I do. Oh, my God. I used to work so, in video, uh, retail videos. Yes, I remember what, like Water for Chocolate. So yeah. it's the concept of like, you know, you have energy and the energy is imbued in food. And I'm sure that your listeners can relate to like, certain meals, not only because it evokes a certain memory, but probably because if your grandmother really loved you, let's say, and she pours that love into the food, you're going to feel that love on some level. So there's an energetic component to food as well. And, you know, and if, so if you're eating out all the time, or you're doing DoorDash or Grubhub or whatever, that's also not healthy from an energetic place of like these, who's cooking that food for you and what energy are they putting into it? Whereas when you're cooking your own food, not only do you have control over the ingredients, but you also have control of the energy that's that's going into it. And it is this like self-nourishing thing too. Um, so I just wanted to, to highlight that as well. I'm smiling um, from ear to ear because I'm picturing food and I like, I get happy when we talk about food, but <laughs> Even something, you know, I don't even go grocery shopping anymore. So I get my groceries delivered and just how this is right now. But for people who are able to do that, or if you have like a weekly meal plan thing that you're doing, or even you're not, maybe you just pass a grocery store on the way home, stop in and smell stuff. Like just pick things up and smell mm -hmm. things, feel the feel of an orange in your hand, the weight of a, a watermelon, the leaves of a you know head of lettuce, whatever it is. Like, like Christina was saying, you know, just see how you're feeling in that moment and the textures, the, the different, I guess the, the flavors that it kind of gives off. I always say in my head, I can taste things in my head because mm -hmm. I've done stuff like that. I've opened up spices, spice jars, and I smell things and go, ugh, that doesn't seem like it's going to go with this thing that I'm cooking. Instead, let me try this what I think is an, uh, an, un, you know, an original flavor combination or an awkward flavor combination. And it ends up working like caraway seeds mm -hmm. and chili pepper was something I did recently. And I was like, who knew? Mm. Because they yeah. have like, right. They have like a little bit of a pungentness that they share. And I just, I just really enjoyed the flavor, but then I'll do sometimes, um, you know, more Mediterranean versions with like lemon and different kinds of herbs and garlic. And that feels rich, but it's also somewhat light in a way too. So mm -hmm. the more you get used to doing things like this, and like Christina said, you don't have to do a whole, you know, five course meal. It could just be a simple thing as opening up a couple of items, um, putting your hands on things, chopping up vegetables, these small little significant things that you're doing as a part of nourishing yourself, but also connecting in that way. And I'm a huge fan and I do believe in that whole energy thing, like where things are grown, how things are made, if they're um, mm -hmm. you know, going through stress when they're being mm -hmm. slaughtered and those types of things, like I do think it, it carries down to us. So I really appreciate you folding that into this discussion because um, it, it really does speak to me and I hope it speaks to the listeners as well. No, for sure. And also, you know, not just who's growing the food, but it's it, then it's who's preparing the food. So it's both energies. Right, so right. it's, yeah. Who's and I also, it, literally, mm -hmm. and I'm glad you brought, brought up the, um, the grocery shopping thing. Cause I was thinking about this also the other day about, you know, first of all, the ordering thing, I understand convenience and necess necessity when it, when, when necessary. Right. But there is something about, again, this sort of empowering connection 
to go into a grocery store, again, depending on what the options are, I understand, and, and all of that, but listening to yourself and, and seeing like, what does my body want right now? I'm going to go to the produce section and I'm going to kind of like see what my body is craving. Like you can make a shopping list and, you know, there's, there's the head way of doing it. And then there's the intuitive way to do it. Right. And I think there's, there's a happy medium. Um, and also it's like, well, what looks good, you know, what looks fresh, what looks like it's looks, you know, especially nourishing at this particular moment, depending on the season or what delivery just came in, et cetera, et cetera. But there's something, again, there's a connection that we've sorely lost, especially living in New York city. Oh my God, Hmm. you know, with how our food is grown and our connection to it. And, um, you know, so obviously, you know, if, and when, a farmer's market is obviously a great option. You know, hopefully um, it's getting better in places where that was not an option. Right. But, um, you know, to really tune in and see what, what, what your body needs. And there's just, it just adds that level of connection. I, to me, I honestly love grocery shopping. It's relaxing to me. Like, again, it's like this meditative, relaxing thing. Yeah. And so the fact like that I would never get I want to pick out my own apples, you know, or my own lettuce. Like, I don't want someone picking that out for me. Like, don't touch my stuff. Yeah, but I get it. Like, I get the convenience thing, but there has to be a balance. There has to be sort of like you, it's like another way of cutting out connection somehow right. I feel right. like with the with the delivery yeah. but on also just the human connection of like I just I get a little worried this is a little bit of a side tangent about all these delivery things and doing everything online it's like no we're humans like I like to go I know the guy at the grocery store and I like to say hello and I don't know it's it's yeah. connection so I just wanted to throw that in there yes. too you're absolutely right the the vendors the farmers the way that you greet you know you're patronizing different stores in your local community and giving back to the economy as well hopefully too mm-hmm. if you're able to do that so there's so many different levels in the way that you can connect and be mindful or be present in that in that way that you're nourishing yourself when it comes to food. I love all of this. All right, listen, you've, you've converted me. I'm going to, I'm going to knock it off with the grocery delivery. Can I just have the toilet paper come to the house? Even I don't, I just, I enjoy all of it. I don't, I, I don't think I've ever ordered. I barely, I barely order in food and I, I don't think I've ever ordered in groceries ever. Because I just, it's foreign. It's like a foreign concept to me. Like, why would I do that? Unless, look, thank God, if like, I was sick, if I couldn't get to the store or something, it's nice to have that option. But is that, I mean, I would just, I would question everyone. Like if you're overusing that stuff again, are you, why, why, like, are Mm -hmm. you so busy that you can't and again, if you're so busy that you can't do the meditation or 15 minutes or whatever, take a walk to the grocery store and breathe and come back and use that as your meditation or your mindfulness. Exactly. To slow down. Exactly. Mm -hmm. To slow down and put you back in your body. I think we, the real epidemic is that people are not in their bodies. They're too much in their head and they're too much distracted and no one's in their heart and in their, their body. And that's a lot of work that I do with my clients is just getting them back in to their bodies and because that's where all the answers lie about their job who are they what they're supposed to be doing with their life having the confidence to pursue that 
just feeling better. A lot of people come to me. So I call myself a holistic career coach um, because that's how I sort of, it's an entree into people's lives because essentially people will come to me if they're just frustrated or stuck and they, you know, because look, work is where we spend most of our time and energy. And so everybody blames a lot of things on their jobs, which sometimes that, yes, your job's wrong and it's bad. Either it's the bad fit for you, for your skill set and experience or what you want to do. It's just not resonating or it's a toxic workplace. Like that's a, that's a bad situation. But sometimes, in fact, often people will come to me because they're feeling stuck, which is my specialty is getting people unstuck and they think it's their job. But once I get into their life, which is through looking at their resume and getting their sort of whole life story, I, I'm like, you know what? Actually, your job is perfect. Your job's perfect for you right now. It's great that you're bored. You're getting a paycheck to be bored so that you can actually work on yourself. <laughs> you can use the extra time and energy that you think you're bored and actually take some time to do some self-reflection, to put some of these, uh, you know, self-care mindfulness practices into place. And then you won't hate your job so much. Do some deep diving in there. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It'll you... mitigate, it'll mitigate what you, you know, because a lot of times people are like the job seven or like on a scale of one to 10, 10 being, it's great. It's like six or seven or eight, which is not bad. Eight, eight is like batting a thousand, really. Like if you're if you're on a one to ten, eight's great. So if you're six or seven, it's like there's just they're coming to me because there's something that's off, but they can't pinpoint it. They think it's the job, right. but nine out of ten times, I'm like, it's actually not the job. The job's actually perfect for you right now. Maybe at some point you'll change your job, but most people don't even know what they want to do. So it's like. First, we need to do the the, the self-reflection, the, the deep dives to see, well, what's blocking you from even knowing what you want to do? Or if the thing that you want to do, maybe it's not, you know, as financially sustainable or whatever, and your current job is, and it's not sucking the life out of you, beautiful. That's the universe setting up for you. You're taking care of your basic needs so you can go and explore this other thing that you want to do. And maybe that other thing may or may not become something that becomes your livelihood. But it's like, it's people think very much in black and white and they put everything on, I'm miserable, I got to get a new job. It's like, right. no, 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 let's wait. Let, let's really look to see what's really going on here. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the thing about distractions too, like that could be applicable to mm -hmm. any relationship. Like I, you know, I, my friends, my wife, my spouse, my partners, et cetera. And work is a part of a relationship in that way too. So that makes perfect sense, Christina, the things that you're learning. Mm -hmm. I could talk to you forever about this stuff, but I want to be conscious of our time. So I wanted, to, <laughs> yes. I wanted to ask if you could tell us a little bit about where people can find you and what program services, the things that you offer, because there's so much stuff when I look at the content that you share. Obviously, you know, I see you mostly on Instagram, but I also know you have a YouTube mm -hmm. channel, you have a website, you have a newsletter. Tell us a little bit about the services and what, how that can work in if people do want to tap into this and start unlocking what's there. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so in terms of like, if people out there who are listening and they're like, oh my God, I'm stuck. I don't know how to listen to myself. <laughs> I need help. Um, yeah, I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, so they could reach me through my website, christinaleonardi.com, um, or the, if they go to my Instagram, at clearlychristina. Um, 
my information will be there as well. Um, or they can find me on LinkedIn. If you listen to this on LinkedIn and you'd like to connect with me, just say, hey, I heard you on Dish with Dina. I'll link in with you. Um, if you'd like to sign up to be on my mailing list, you can, as of now, you can text uh, clearly Christina to the number 22828. And that should sign you up for my mailing list because I have a very popular uh, newsletter that goes out every Friday that has sort of these personal growth essays, um, which I actually compiled into a book. So you can find me on Amazon. I have two books on Amazon. One is called Personal Growth Gab. The other is a recent book that I did called Say It to Make It, Affirmations to Empower Your Heart, Mind, Spirit, and Soul. Um, because that's another homework that, that I give to people is affirmation. So I said, let me make a little book for them. Um, and what else? I'm on Twitter and Facebook. Oh yeah. And YouTube, of course. Um, so if you want to actually, some of the talks that I did at the library where Dina and I met, yes. some of those are the full talks are on there. There's a playlist of like uh, full talks. And then I have a bunch of clips on there. So you can get a, you can get my vibe and see what I look like and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, Instagram is sort of my most creative expression. So if you're looking for inspiration um, and some thoughtful content, um, I would recommend Instagram as well. Um, I will, I'm not I'll oh, be oh, linking oh, to all this stuff. I'll be putting all this in in the bio and okay. the, the episode notes. <laughs> Great, and actually, and and actually, uh, I just started doing a monthly gathering. So another way to work with me, yes, kind of is once a month. Start we started in July, and Dina was there. You can actually see a lovely um, video on YouTube. I have oh. that video there, or on my Instagram, you can see Dina and I talking. Um, yeah, so once a month I'm doing sort of this gathering because we're not, you know, again, this, there's this connection thing and it's talking about things that are meaningful. And so each month we have a topic. The first month was crossroads. The second month was um, joy. Last month was balance. And then tomorrow, we're in October right now, um, recording, but uh, we're doing, what's tomorrow? Values. Values. Yeah. Values. So yeah. So if you follow me on Instagram or again, the best thing is to get on my mailing list. Um, so either if you go to my website, you can join there. Or like I said, the text clearly Christina to 22828. That's the best way to see to see what I'm doing, basically. But I would love to, you know, if this resonates with you. Yeah, I'm here. This is my mission. <laughs> this is what I'm here and what I'm here to do. It to really is. <laughs> it really is. I mean, like I said, I've, I, I feel like that first conversation that I saw you at that had to be like 10 I don't know 10 12 years ago I can't remember yeah. was it that far back and yeah. you've just been so well see this is something else that comes up for me too consistency like you have a consistent message you are so drawn and driven by what your goal is out there to help people with their pain points and you know achieving certain things that you discussed here today and that's never changed and I feel like that's when you know that what you're doing is meant to be and I, I told you recently mm. I feel like you're the gift that keeps on giving because it just everywhere you go it's just you're always putting out this positive energy but you're also really straightforward at it too you're not going to like coddle somebody and be like it's mm. not like you like you just said you'll turn on uh you know turn people towards asking themselves why is it that you're doing these things why aren't you doing these other things instead it's not that it's you like it's not the external factor sometimes it's within mm -hmm. you so i really appreciate everything that you bring to the table when people work with you or meet with you in whatever way that they do well i'm i'm that means a lot because you have seen me 
of these past 10 years, you, you know, to, to get that feedback is really meaningful mm-hmm. from you, Dina. And also just, you know, your consistency of, of being, you know, following me all those years is, um, you know, I really appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, I guess, and, and it's helpful to get that feedback of, of the consistency of my message, because it's just in my blood and my DNA. And it's like why I'm here, you know, and, and if I can, help someone, you know, and as the world is getting more cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, you know, <laughs> like, I feel like more than ever, I need that message or that energy or the reminders need to be uh, magnified and put out there as much as possible. So, you know, and that's been my own personal growth about being comfortable about putting myself out there even. So that's a whole other po- podcast, but yeah. And, and the concentric you know. circles, like, you know, when we listen to you and we share what we've learned and we also grow personally as well, then we treat others a certain way or we change the way we treat ourselves. And again, like I said, it's the gift that keeps on giving that outreach uh, because mm. we do, we do need more compassion. We do need for ourselves and for other people. I really, the last few years alone have done a number on me with um, just, yeah. I just don't like how people treat each other and maybe they've always done it, but I've not seen it so much. No, it's getting worse, but it does. It feels like it is. Well, because that goes back, whatever I was saying before, but people are not connected to themselves. And so if you're not, if you're not connected to yourself, if you're not allowing yourself to feel your own feelings and have love for yourself, it's very hard to do it for other people. It's very hard to have compassion for other people if you don't have it for yourself. And it's also, you know, that human interaction that I was talking before. If you're just like, if you're just, it's your relationship is with you and your phone, basically, you know, the, the, it's a very um, superficial kind of interaction, whether it's social media or just ordering stuff or whatever it is. Like we have to remember that we're humans and guess what? Humans are biological, organic creatures. And we have to remember that the more and more digital um, and virtual things get. And, and so that's also why I feel so more, uh, much more passionate about getting my voice and my, my message out there is to, to just remind people that we're humans and who knows what's going to happen in the external world, but we have to be able to love ourselves, love the people close to us and love a stranger because we might be that stranger someday, mm-hmm. you know, that needs help. So um, we just, the, uh, you know, the, the powers that be, the external world, the mainstream media, all of the, the, the forces out there that run the world, they, they just want to keep making money off of us, you know, and in what, whichever, which way. And, um, and we're letting so them sometimes and we're, we're letting them. Yeah. And so, so the core, you know, of the healing is really to bring back your own empowerment. Mm. So to be able to be empowered in who you are and to make those decisions, to know who you are, what you want, what you need, how to be a good human from your own knowingness in, in that or innate organic vehicle how we were created we don't need anyone to tell us what to buy or what to eat or what to put in our bodies or how to behave or what to decide about anything like we need to get back in touch with that and and be empowered in who we are as human beings and and that's that's the that's i think the crux of the the matter at this particular moment in our history of humanity and the planet so let's just end on there (laughs) (laughs) well i was actually going to ask you 
Is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to share? Or did we pretty much cover all of the things? Oh, good Lord. Um, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I mean, I think people can get enough out of this, I would say. And, um, I just, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be able to, to, to talk and to share your audience. And like I said, I'm so impressed with, you know, how you've grown and, and developed this podcast. And I think it's really exciting. I think talking about what, you know, who you are and what you're supposed to be doing, this is clearly something that you're supposed to be doing. This aspect of, of your work is, um, you're not just quote unquote, a dietitian. like you're a lot more than that. And using, all of your skills from your previous career and just your innate talent to be able to communicate and put and deal with the stupid technology, which I have like a lot of issues with, but like, you know, but to be able to put all those components together, you know, that's, you're a great example of someone that's really expressing all, you know, who's integrated all the different parts of themselves and, and in doing that, you be, other people benefit. That's your service to the world. If everyone is just who they're supposed to be, that's how you help the world. That's how we all elevate. That's how we all become a better human race and how we save the planet. Be who you are and be the most expressed, honest, human, organic version of that person. Love yourself, love everybody. And then we've got a bright future ahead. That is so profound. Thank you so much. Christina, I can't let you go without my final two questions though. Yes. At the end of every podcast, I have to ask the following things. They're food related, kind of, sort of, figuratively and literally. So the the question is, what is on your plate today? But the subcategories are, what are you working on next? Like, what's the thing that you're, you know, going to be moving in the direction of doing? And then what are you actually making for yourself or eating for yourself at your next meal? Please tell us. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, like what's on my plate? Well, tomorrow I'm doing the connecting with Christina. So I have a little bit of work to do do tonight. And then I want to get myself organized and probably do a little more Instagramming maybe for that. Um, Oh, well, actually before that, I will also meditate. Well, I don't use like to use that word, but I will lay on the floor. Like I said, just like I told everybody, I will lay flat on my back on the floor, process, release the day, and then make myself a nice salad probably. Cause I think I have stuff left over from last week's farmer's market. And tomorrow is, I have the farmer's market is Wednesday here in my neighborhood. So I want to finish what I have, make myself a very nice salad. And then tomorrow I'll go to the farmer's market and I'll do the connecting with Christina. Oh, that sounds fantastic. I love it. I love it. And nice salad always makes me happy. Christina, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I know that this is just one of many conversations that we will continue to have. And I just on behalf of my listeners, thank you for spending time and sharing all of your insight, your guidance, everything that you've shared with us today. I really hope that people take what they've learned and heard and and execute and implement it because you really do have the ability to change yourself and your surroundings and please please take that to heart and do what you can with it so thank you so much christina appreciate it oh it's my pleasure this has been such a joy dina i really enjoyed it thank you so much for having me as a guest thank you so much for joining me this week on the dish with dina podcast i am dina d'alessandro registered dietitian nutritionist founder and chief executive life changer at dish with dina and i'm also your host if you like what you heard I would be so grateful if you could subscribe to this podcast, 
leave a review, and share this with others who you think might benefit from what we have to offer on these episodes. You can also join my mailing list at dishwithdina.com or email me at info at dishwithdina.com with questions, comments, feedback, and if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode because everybody eats and we all have a story to share. I hope you tune back in next week when we dish again. Dish with Dina.